Listen. Are you listening? <laughs> This is the sound of my country. This is the sound of Taiwan. Taiwan, a small island with a whole world of sounds. Thanks so much for joining us today here on Radio Taiwan International. If you're joining us through the wonderful world of shortwave today, you can look forward to hashtag Taiwan, Taiwan Explained, and in the spotlight coming up later on. But uh, for now, we're going to start off with a new episode of Here in Taiwan. Hello and welcome to Here in Taiwan. Uh, if you're joining us on our live stream, today is Wednesday, October 7th. If not, and you're joining us on the radio, it's Thursday, October 8th. I'm John Van Trieste, and joining me in the studio today, it's Shirley Lin. Hello. Up next, well, they sometimes say that ignorance is bliss. We'll be telling you, though, why fans of Taiwan's calorie-packed sugary drinks will not be able to plead ignorance about how much sugar and caffeine they're consuming, at least starting soon. Then we'll be introducing a very special group of people that will be leading the national anthem at this year's National Day celebration. And, well, it can hardly be news at this point, but we're going to be telling you why a call has gone out to translate a newspaper article dating back to the 1980s. All that coming up next, please stick around. Okay, well, it's been a long time since I've had any of Taiwan's famous bubble tea or uh, pearl milk tea, as it's sometimes called. Um, and for good reason. I've heard some stories about people uh, who were a bit too fond of it maybe developing some health problems. So I kind of quit the habit early on when I came here. But there are plenty of people around Taiwan who still make a regular habit of drinking it in copious amounts. Uh, we're going to soon have warning labels, actually. Well, not warning labels, but sort of nutrition facts yeah. that maybe will uh, change our minds about how often we drink these sorts of drinks. You know, I don't notice much when I order a drink. Does it have any kind of information on the labels on the drinks so far right now? No, the only places that I know of that you're going to find them. Of course, like I said, it's been a while. But yeah. uh, usually it's you got to go to like a convenience store or supermarket and buy a bottled or beverage in a carton or something like that right. or a can. Right, those would have labels. Right. I mean, like the content of that kind of but stuff. But the kind anyway. that's freshly made to order at these uh, ubiquitous drink shops here in Taiwan. Um, they can be very they, high on sugar. But and anyway. they don't tell you how much is in it. Although I've seen, uh, um, um, what are they, not memes, but photos that have been circulating on the internet for yeah. a while showing uh, how much. How displaying they just put the sugar in they leave yeah. the drink out and you can actually see you can visualize some of it's almost all the way to the top i know it's so. pretty scary anyway starting january 1st um the drug and food administration is uh requiring more than just saying because you get to, the drink made to order you can say you want normal sugar or half sugar and all that right but it's going to be showing it needs to show more than that well that's okay? part of the problem isn't it because you can customize it so how much sugar goes in is up to you it must be very difficult to 
Is, that, is it even standardized? Yeah. Well, the thing is, though, that the drinks that are made to order, you know, how th they're chewable kind of drinks, right? So a lot so of them are. The, uh, yeah. So there's maybe the tapioca balls. The most famous. No, there's that's a lot of calorie in there and sugar in that. And then maybe like these jello cubes mm -hmm. and also pudding. So now they ha ask that you have to put labels to add the sugar content, including those chewable ingredients in there. But since they're customizable, that sounds like it involves quite a math problem. You've got yes. to calculate, okay, so there was X amount of pudding, oh, they want it. I mean, the poor clerks there are going to need uh, degrees in astrophysics to order. <laughs> well, it's not so much the numbers, um, but it's more like, you know, if you add all those ingredients, even though the person asked for like half sugar, you're just going to say it's normal sugar. That, oh, well, so that's not like, accurate information then. Well, uh, <laughs> Uh, that's the best that you've got to weigh it how many yeah. grams uh, well mm. and 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 then of uh, and also the caloric um content too again that varies depending so. on how you how you have it though because if towards the end i was just saying no sugar right which is just so tea guess, basically well this uh, i guess they still have like three months before they like set up a, a fixed table maybe so mm -hmm. that by january 1st you're going to be able to just kind of like you know, stick that in there or something. So this is usually, definitely happening. It's yeah, not, it's, it's definitely a time happening. Okay. And if you don't do, you know, according to rule, um, you could be fined at the most like 139,000 US dollars. Mm. So uh, well. we're talking about these, you know, convenience stores that sell these drinks and also these, um, you know, drink shops that make drink your drinks to order. Oh, the convenience stores have to do it too. So you're talking about yeah. coffee. Coffee, right? Uh, well, here it's just talking about, well, yeah, I guess, yeah. Okay. Including coffee. Now, also, um, you have to include the caffeine content in these drinks because a lot of drinks that are made to order are like something something tea, something something milk tea, and they have caffeine content in them. Of course, there's also the coffee drinks, right? Right. Because they're like mixed kind of drinks, not not alcohol, but you know, like mixed. Some drinks. of them are. There <laughs> yeah. are some that have Baileys in them. Um, not many, not, but uh, or brandy, I've seen. Right, but you you don't get those from drink shops, though. You get them? Yes, you can. I've seen them. Oh, really? Not all, not a lot of them, but okay, I've seen fancy them. Fancy ones, then. Uh, yeah. yeah, I've seen them. Okay, fancy ones. Okay, so you need to also add the um, caffeine content. So for that matter, oh which includes like these freshly made fruit juices and um, vegetable juices. Oh, even those? Yes. Wow. They say that you've got to have at least like like real juice content, like original juice content of at, of more than 10%. In order to call yourself juice? In order juice? to call it a juice. Oh. Because if it's less than 10%, you can't call it juice. You call it a something something flavored drink. Oh, it's it should just different. call it sugar water at that point. <laughs> I mean, that's what that it is. That sounds awful. Nobody's going to get your drink then. Mm, you know? Chemicals. Wow. All this stuff that, you know, all these biz drink businesses <laughs> have to go through. It's, it's going to be such a headache. They make, like, okay, I think they're some of the only, in certain areas where the rent's very high, like near where I live, they seem to be some of the only viable businesses out there anyway, so besides mm. convenience stores. Yeah, so... so. I, th I doubt that they're hurting for cash. I think that, that that whatever it costs to do this, they probably, especially the chains. Yeah, the they chains. Make, they make the profit. Yeah, not I a know. Big so yeah, it's not a problem for them to you know putting more figures on the labels because it's go it's so important for the consumers. I'm not really buying any of these drinks actually. I'm um, not the convenience yeah. store ones. Coffee occasionally for me. Coffee yeah. is not bad there. Coffee, it's yeah. less expensive than going to an actual coffee shop. So true. Um, true. But and yeah, I can see why, because you really don't know what you're drinking. <laughs> you have an idea, but right? it can be a bit of a vague idea, so yeah, makes sense. Yeah.
Well, National Day is coming up. Can you believe it? Again, I know. the year goes Time by flies. very quickly. Um, yes. uh, that's on October 10th, so we're just a few days away. Little plug here. Uh, join us for live coverage. Mm-hmm. Ha, ha, ha. Self-promotion. <laughs> um, uh, but each year, uh, when they, they kind of one of the big events at the beginning is the singing of the national anthem. And every time it seems that a different group of people or person is chosen to be sort of the leader uh, who everyone follows. Uh, so uh, being important and having good a good ear, both important and voice, I guess, <laughs> are both too. important things. Yeah. This year, uh, we're having a salute to our COVID first responders because uh, first responders, like I guess emergency services, but also uh, the Taipei Medical University's Sing Song Chorus, that's what they call themselves, are going to lead the anthem uh, on Saturday in front of the presidential office building. Uh, and this has just been announced, so I hope that they know about it. They haven't have given very long to rehearse. I'm sure they, they should have been given time to rehearse. <laughs> anyway. I mean, you don't want to make a scene. You know? Yeah, um, it's not just that though. They're going to be uh, a feature of the whole event. Um, there's a parade. We're, we've mm-hmm. been fortunate enough, Always. thanks to these people in large part, that we don't we don't have the situation where we have to cancel because of COVID. Yeah. Um, so there will be a parade. It's a parade of vehicles, it says. I'm not sure what else it would be a parade of. I guess you could do marching bands. Um, it's going to feature 100 healthcare workers. Wow. And also mask manufacturers because those people worked overtime oh, yeah. in the last few months. They deserve a sure. long vacation. Also, Central Epidemic Command Center personnel. No word if the leader of that particular center, our health minister, and celebrity Chen Shijong will be in the mix. Mm. Post office workers will be there. I'm not... Okay. I'm not, um, I don't quite know what that. Okay, well, they did they're something. They're hard workers anyway. Okay, and uh, mailing all the masks. Shop owners. Shop, owners. shop owners. They're called. They're being. They're all under the category pandemic heroes. I don't know what shop okay. owners they're talking about. Shop owners of um, masks. Some pharmacies. <laughs> pharmacies. That's where, where that's where people are getting yeah. their masks from. I wonder how they pick these 100 people. I don't know. Maybe like rock, paper, scissors or... Really? And they pick or maybe up... they pick people who had a specific story behind them. Oh, wow. They don't introduce any of the people, of course, which is kind of a it's shame. Gonna... It's just supposed to be a tribute to them and we don't even know who they are exactly. Well, they'll um, be showing their faces. Uh, mm-hmm. well, they'll be in masks, I imagine. <laughs> masks. Um, yes. Yeah. Um, and uh, this is being touted as a success for Taiwan's democracy. Uh, the legislative speaker, who's also the chairman of the uh, committee that prepares these celebrations, wears many hats, I guess. Yoshi Kun says that uh, they chose this year's theme, which is Democratic Taiwan, Advancing with Confidence, because even as COVID continues to spread around the world, challenging democracies globally, uh, Taiwan is uh, hanging in there. Mm, and we do good. Yeah, we are doing good. Um, mm. The other good thing about uh, our, our control of the COVID situation here um, is that we have parties planned and events and celebrations of all sorts. Uh, we talked about the ones in Taipei, which everyone knows about, um, and that's what we're going to be covering when you can join us live yes. <laughs> um, on Saturday. Uh, but the committee is also working with local governments to plan all sorts of events, including a, uh, it says an evening event in Keelung. I don't know what that means. An hmm. evening event. Could it be a fancy ball? Um, I don't know. Are they going to have fireworks? Uh, they will fireworks? have fireworks in oh, Tainan. Good. Oh, yeah, I know. It's uh, I think the cities kind of take turns, you know, when mm. the national fireworks. And this year, it's Tainan. 
Yeah, um, that's the, the big fireworks. I'm show. very curious what an evening event might evolve. Involve mm. is it going to be like music concert? Okay, I suppose. I was hoping for something like a master ball or something more dramatic, <laughs> but that's just me. Um, and oh my goodness, I can't believe we have to <laughs> say this, but because people tend to go a little bit overboard with uh, the, the souvenirs. Yes, National Day souvenirs. They're telling people that because of like COVID regulations and all that, you're going to have to pre-order. And I think that's actually a system that they should adopt regularly to avoid near riots. People were really, really intense about them. They are because Taiwanese people just love, you know, lining, like, up, for lining things. up for it. Especially if it's free. You know, you know, before daybreak, even like in lining up, getting the spot, yeah. and getting in line, the, and getting the souvenir. The considerate thing that they said, I thought was very nice, is that they're reserving a certain number of these limited edition souvenirs for people over a certain age who may not be able to wait it out okay. or push through. It's um, those people who would like to get these souvenirs. You I know. know. Elderly and, you gotta you know, show yeah. your appreciation. Um, yeah. So there you go. It's a light shoulder bag that comes in two colors. I'd, oh. That sounds a. I don't know. Mm. I have too many bags that come in too many colors. I had, I need to do the Mary Kondo thing and get rid of some of that stuff, but that's okay. just me. Well, the 1980s were kind of a, a, a while ago. It's hard to imagine much news that we don't already know about, uh, but... Apparently, uh, for some things, you just have to be able to read Chinese, and that's a problem facing one foreign national in particular. We're talking about Sander Swain from California. He recently learned about an article that was talking about his dad, uh, from, and this article was kept from uh, his aunt, and his aunt was showing him this article. So it dated back uh, to the 1980s. It was a Taiwanese newspaper article talking about his dad, who was he? He was here during the eighties. Doing what? Uh, Del Swain. Okay, well, let me tell you. Um, let's see. This is. Oh, by the way, let me show a picture of Del Swain. Uh, Can I'm you do some descriptive try. commentary for those of us who are uh, on the radio? If I can get even closer. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, this is a very old newspaper, so I guess it's kind of faint. But um, basically, so Del Swain was in Taiwan. You know, back then there wouldn't be that many foreigners, not like now, right? Well, and this so, whole situation was quite different as well. Um, I'm not sure which year this was from specifically, but this was a period when Taiwan was slowly beginning to emerge from a period of uh, dictatorship into a democracy. Yeah, uh, so that well, that's was a, true. The end of martial law came, well, 87? Mm, so Probably. So Dale Swain, that's, uh, you know, Sandra's dad, he, uh, according to the article, article, was an American who graduated from with a Master's of Arts from the Pennsylvania State University. He was 27 years old then when he came to Taiwan. And because uh, um, uh, the article you know, got a lot of attention from social media, so the China Post one of the English newspapers in Taiwan. Here in Taiwan. Taiwan. Yes, uh, reached out to Sander and explained more from the article, saying that his father came to Taiwan soon after graduating from college. Now, he spent three years in Taiwan. He mastered Mandarin and taught English at the top university, National Taiwan University. Wow. Yeah. That sounds like a difficult gig to get, even yeah. then. Even then, right? Especially then. And then in the article, Del Swain, his dad, explained that he traveled for three years and visited 30 countries. So I guess he was like a backpacker back then. Is he still with us? No. His father? Okay. No, he's so he's not master. around to explain. No. No. Yeah. He's not okay. around to explain. Okay. And on his travels, Swain, Dale Swain, who slept in train stations. Now, it didn't say if it's particularly in Taiwan, but 
he would always sleep in train stations. He was often cheated and robbed. Oh, what? That's what it said. I can't imagine that happening in Taiwan. Uh, no, it didn't specifically say Taiwan. I can't imagine anyone Just, you know, doing anything to anyone in a train station here. Not in Taiwan, I mean, right? Yeah. People but, do sleep on the benches. Yes, and train stations. <laughs> no one really bothers right. them. So. so, but according to his dad, the travels helped his dad learn more about life in two months than six years that he spent in college. That's what he said. And a mm. newspaper clipping also included a section where his dad encouraged others to travel abroad alone to broaden their horizons. That yeah. it's okay to backpack alone. Go, you know. Go travel around the world. So um, his dad was encouraging readers not to be afraid of language barriers, and uh, he assured others that the most difficult thing about backpacking is always taking the first step. But after that, you know, it's never too hard. That's true of a lot of things, I guess. Deciding that you're going to do something is often yeah the toughest bit. So, um, so did the newspaper help? Do the translation, or are they still looking out for someone to, to do the work? Um, I don't know how long the article is, but I think maybe by now, um, Xander Swain would have gotten it pretty much translated. I think. Okay, he's at least got the gist of what's going yeah. on. Yeah, and I'm assuming that since you know back in the '80s there aren't that many foreigners, I think that he was interviewed because they find it rare to find a foreigner in Taiwan, and so um. like interviewing him, you know, asking about his story, why he's in Taiwan, other kind of stuff. So I have to say this. Randomly interviewing foreigners is not dead. <laughs> Personal <laughs> experience. True. I've never that been in a newspaper, true. but it's just like, yeah. Yeah. So this is amazing. It's it's really quite something. I mean, I didn't come back to Taiwan until 1991, so this was way before my time. But um, it was a period of pretty dramatic change, though. Yeah. From the beginning to the end, you almost wouldn't recognize the place. I mean, at least politically. Right. Actually, you know, Andrew Ryan, our colleague, he was saying that one time he was taking a bus. And um, he felt his hand go through his hair, and he turned around, and there were these high school students, two girls, I think, who was just curious as to why would anybody with brown hair, I don't know, exist. And, <laughs> well, that they wonder was... if brown hair felt differently from black hair. I guess. Well, it's good they got on it while they had the chance. That that is no longer <laughs> with us either. <laughs> Times change all, I guess. Well, this is encouraging because I I have actually um, gone hunting for this particular place. I believe there are signs even pointing to it, and all you find is kind of a, a bit of a dump. It's being cleaned up. It's a historical building, and it should be ready for as a pub open to the public in 2024. We're talking oh, about still the, a long way away. The Chen Tianlai Residence, which is a was a home of a very wealthy tea merchant in a part of Taipei called Dao Dao Chen, where a lot of these old buildings are. Yeah. And there's a, it's kind of, um, the places where tourists go are, are nice and all, but there is a, there are some places that are kind of sadly decayed away or they're just piles of garbage and people don't seem to care for them much. And yeah. they're, they're really beautiful buildings. This particular one, um, it's Victorian inspired, apparently. Victorian. It's got columns, decorative columns, window frames and archways. Uh, it sounds a bit gothic almost. But it sounds like a place I It was a mansion. It was a mansion and... Uh, the family of the original owner, this tea merchant, is still around, and they just never fixed it up because they said that no one could agree about how to do it. Okay. I guess when you have so many heirs, like so many different parts of the family, yeah, but... and they argue with each other, but they all have a stake in the ownership. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It sounds like a, 
uh, anyway, they're going to restore to its original appearance, and uh, they hope... Oh, they're only now going to do it. Yeah, well, the oh, reason okay. they've targeted 2024 as the completion date is that will, will be when the building turns 100. It was finished. Oh. Construction ended in 1924. Okay. Um, so, yeah, they basically, the city seems to have invoked this sort of eminent domain thing where if there's a historic building that's falling apart because the owners aren't taking care of it, mm. they can step in and... Do take, something yeah. about it. Um, so uh, I don't know why, but they're not. They're waiting till October next year to get started, though. So I don't think we're going to see much progress anytime soon. It's a big deal, though. It's going to cost the city about seven million dollars. That's the plan. I mean, U.S. to US. complete this whole thing. That's uh, a twenty lot. twenty percent is coming from the family, but eighty percent that's our tax dollars at work here. Well, so. this mansion must be huge then. It doesn't say how big it is, but it sounds like uh, sounds pretty big. impressive. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, the family is at least happy that it's going to be open to the public because the I think, I mean, what are they going to do with it? It's falling apart, right? Yeah. Um, so uh, somebody, there are some kind of odd ideas though. <laughs> One cultural preservationist quoted in the article in front of me suggests that they install a low perimeter wall around the property while they're working on it. And this is a quote from the article, to lend it an air of mysteriousness uh, and attract okay. attention from passersby. I mean, any renovation, they put up walls. Don't I know. I don't they? understand I mean, why that's a yeah. suggestion. I, I think it would be nice to have a sign mm-hmm. of some sort out front explaining the history of the place. Because oh, yeah, there's all definitely. sorts of, even near us, there's a kind of random falling apart wooden house it looks like it's kind of like a shack these days but it looks like it was once very beautiful japanese style right uh-huh. across from the yuenshan mrt that's being held up by scaffolding at the moment oh really? and i have no idea what it is it sounds like there must be some sort of story there they've obviously decided not to knock it over right mm-hmm. um hmm. you know usually when they have big construction sites there'll be a big sign explaining who the company is why they're doing it what the cost is but uh a lot of these historic sites being fixed up, I don't, I've never seen that. So mm, That sounds so secretive. I don't know. Maybe it's part of, they're trying to create an air of mysteriousness. Who knows? Um. <laughs> well, before we go today, we're going to leave you uh, on a bit of a macabre note. Um, we're going to talk about a survey that's Find, finding that Taiwanese people feel okay about end-of-life care. Mm. This, I think it's actually, um, to me, I think it's encouraging. Okay. Because, uh, you know, Chinese, uh, or rather Taiwanese culture, it's very hard for people to talk about death. It's not that they don't not, like to talk about death. Taiwanese culture is far from being alone very in that. Very superstitious, but. yeah. Well, that's true. So this survey found out that around 7 in 10 Taiwanese adults support the concept of hospice care and believe that emergency medical treatment may not always be the right answer for terminally ill patients, and I totally agree. So this survey was done by the Hospice Foundation of Taiwan, and they did a survey on end-of-life issues ahead of a film screening it plans to hold this coming weekend in honor of World Hospice and Palliative Care Day. They have a day for everything. (laughs) Yes, they do. (laughs) Um, And then the survey was uh, found that high levels of support for issues such as patients' rights and palliative care for the terminally ill. So 72% of the survey respondents said they would inform their parents in honest terms if one of them received a terminal diagnosis, which I think is great because usually they keep it from the parents or, or the, you know, well, whoever it is. Well, that's a whole bunch of ethical issues there, whether it's better to say or not. um, Yeah, it's true. But 
but I think it's better to be honest than not. Sure. You know? um, well, at least, and once the decision has been made to say something, hospice care does make a very yes. important difference. I've yes. seen, you know, relatives of mine, and it, it makes, at least they're comfortable, you know, that's what's right. important. Right, exactly. And Compared can... to only like 56% who, 10 years ago, who, oh, would, you know, yeah, so this is a big quite jump. quite a change in attitude then. I know, so I think it's great because I know my in-laws, they're more open to talking about it. My mm. father-in-law says, I'm already, I've had my fulfill in life. <laughs> He's 90 now. Wow. Yeah, so, yeah, which is great. But, you know, the thing is about finding these um, hospice care centers, they're expensive. Oh, yeah. You know, they've checked out a couple and, and then that's that. Well, you know, like, thankfully know. they don't need them yet. Well, well I, you never know. Anyway, that just about wraps up today's edition of Here in Taiwan. Thanks for all of, uh, of you out there for joining us. I'm John Van Trieste. And I'm Shirley Lin. If you're joining us on the radio, of course, stay tuned because we've got Hashtag Taiwan, Taiwan Explained, and In the Spotlight coming up next. and welcome to this week's edition of Hashtag Taiwan. I'm your host, Leslie Liao. Thank you so much for joining me. This week, we're going to be taking a look at the Moon Festival, which happened over this past weekend. It was a long weekend in Taiwan, where people had four days off between Thursday and Sunday. And in Taiwan, we celebrate Moon Festival in many different ways. Namely, we do barbecue, but we also eat mooncakes. Now, mooncakes are delicious. They're a great snack, but the problem is they are very, very calorie hefty. A small mooncake, three inches in diameter, can be up to a thousand calories. Now, what makes them so fatty? Well, I'm going to dive into it in this week's Hashtag Taiwan, which is coming up, so don't go away. This week on Hashtag Taiwan, I want to talk to you about Moon Festival 2020. This year, it's coming up on October 1st. In Taiwan, we celebrate Moon Festival in many ways. We barbecue, eat pomelos, and of course, look at the moon. Oh, and we also eat mooncakes. Mooncakes are delicious, and they come in a huge variety of flavors. Generally, mooncakes are made with red bean, mung bean, or date paste fillings. Sometimes they'll have egg yolk, sometimes they won't. But mooncakes have also evolved with people's tastes. There are now cheesecake-filled mooncakes, ice cream mooncakes, and even Oreo-flavored mooncakes, like the ones seen in Vietnam I talked about last year. But did you know that mooncakes are deceptively calorific? Mooncakes are generally quite small, maybe about 3 inches in diameter, but they are dense. Check out this graphic, which has been circulating the internet for a few years now. This picture always reminds me to mooncake moderately, and yes, I used mooncake as a verb. A mooncake can be anywhere from 700 to 900 calories, which is about one-third to half the suggested daily intake for an adult. Even the most conservative mooncake, which is the baked lotus seed paste mooncake, is the caloric equivalent of five fried chicken drumsticks. I mean, personally, I'd choose the five fried chicken drumsticks over the mooncake, but that's just me, you know what I'm saying? Mooncakes are so calorie dense because of their high sugar and high fat content. Anyway, if I've successfully turned you off of mooncakes for this moon festival, allow me to suggest an alternative. Instead of enjoying mooncake with your mouth, enjoy them with your eyes. Ray on Twitter had the genius idea of judging mooncake emojis from different online platforms. Honestly, I didn't even know mooncake emojis were a thing. 
You might be wondering, how do different platforms have different emojis? Shouldn't they be all the same? In short, Unicode dictates what objects can become emojis, and tech companies are free to interpret the emojis however they want, within reason. First up is the Apple emoji found on iPhones. Ray says, nice egg wash, good bake, solid little sunny pattern. I actually agree, that mooncake looks pretty photorealistic for an emoji. Next. Google has the entire yolk in the side. Solid filling, some gradients, could be better on the rounded shape. I know some people will retch at the presence of egg yolk in their mooncakes, but I have come to enjoy it. Microsoft, this is a Ritz cracker. She's not wrong. Samsung also has a side yolk, but otherwise similar to Apple, but with a more traditional pattern. I use a Samsung and I never noticed the mooncake emoji, but then again, I don't really use emojis. I use the original emoji, my face. A cut yolk detail from WhatsApp. Facebook, please take notes. Wait, doesn't Facebook own WhatsApp? Shouldn't they be the same? A nice center yolk, but I don't know what this top is supposed to be, Twitter. Is it like a chocolate ganache? I would eat one. I would eat one too. Oh, you know this Facebook one is dense, like you need the whole family to eat one. That's a cake. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed this detailed look at calorie-free, digitized mooncakes. I hope it helps curb your urge to mooncake excessively this year. But if I'm being perfectly honest, I really want a mooncake right now. Now that's all the time we have for this week's Hashtag Taiwan. I do hope you enjoyed this inside look at mooncakes. I know we have a lot of listeners from all over the world, so let me know if you guys celebrated Moon Festival, and if you did, how did you celebrate it? You can always reach out to our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Radio Taiwan International or facebook.com slash Taiwan Insider. Both of those message boxes will reach us. Anyway, until next week, stay safe, stay happy, and stay healthy. I'll talk to you again soon. Listen, are you listening? <laughs> this is the sound of my country. This is the sound of Taiwan. Taiwan, a small island with a whole world of sounds. There are three international dark sky parks in Asia, one in Japan, one in South Korea, and as you might guess, one right here in Taiwan. Right, and you're going to tell us all about it, and you have the perfect outfit today. It looks like you have stars on your shirt. Yes, that's right. We, we planned this. The, the night sky, <laughs> she's the moon, I guess. And you're the sky. <laughs> so, international dark sky parks, as you can guess, uh, this is a very dark park. And it's designated by the International Dark Sky Association. So where is the park located here in Taiwan? Let's have a look. When you hear about Mount Hehuan, you might think about people climbing it like these kids here. It's one of the most popular hiking destinations in Taiwan. It's also one of the few places in the country and often the first each winter to get a dusting of snow. Hehuansan is located in the central mountain range. It stretches laterally across the island, straddling the divide between Nanto and Hualien counties. There are plenty of great reasons to visit Hehuansan, but if you need one more, Taiwan's first international dark sky park has a brand new stargazing platform just in time for the moon festival. A dark sky park means that the surrounding area is free from light pollution, and that makes it the perfect place for stargazing, or, in keeping with the holiday spirit, looking at the moon. As you might imagine, a dark sky park has to be, well, dark. 
That's why these lights, which were installed to help people see where they're going, had to later be removed. It's a small price to pay to protect this perfect view of the night sky. So, Andrew, what exactly is an international dark sky park? That's a great question. Now, this is a designation which is given by the International Dark Sky Association. Now, it has to be a park which is open to the public with exceptional dark sky resources relative to the community around it. Now, there's a really rigorous process for determining whether or not a park can be an international dark sky park. In fact, it took them four years for Hehuan Shan, Hehuan Mountain, to get this designation. That's a long time. And so, the main issue is cutting down on light pollution. That's correct. Now,、uh, one of the main problems、uh, of light pollution is something called sky glow. So, on the left, you can see、uh, that that's a rural area with a very clear view of the sky. And on the right,、uh, you can see it's a little bit closer to an urban area. So there's a major problem of sky glow. Just by comparison, you can see very few stars. In 2016, it was determined that 80% of the world lives under sky glow, and up to 99% of Europe and the United States also deal with sky glow. Ladies and gentlemen, here's Shirley Lin with In the Spotlight. Welcome to In the Spotlight. I'm Shirley Lin. Shannon Zen is an engineer turned yoga instructor. She used to live in New Zealand and Australia, and had a great engineering job there. After ten years, her boss said she needed to take a break and spend more time with her family in Taiwan. So she originally was going to take a year off, but that one year turned into four years now. When she was figuring out what to do here, her mom told her she needs to exercise. So she tried yoga and realized her body is really stiff. Little did she know that she would fall in love with yoga, particularly aerial yoga, and now her body is as pliable as anything. She is now an avid, certified yoga instructor. Let's hear the rest of her story. All right. So then,、um, where did you go from there? Because you got serious. Otherwise, you wouldn't be a, a certified yoga instructor now. What happened? So、um, I basically go to、uh, class every day, every single every day. Every day. <laughs> yes, every <laughs> single day. That's how much、day. you loved it, including the weekends. Yes, most of the time. But I like to go to a morning class,、uh-huh. like early morning class,、yeah. maybe like seven thirty、yeah. or eight thirty class. So I I feel like energetic after I exercise. Oh yeah. Yes. So I start to talk to my instructors. Yeah, and then she decided she's gonna go to India for three months,、uh-huh. and she she's asking me like if I'm so interesting in yoga or area yoga, why don't I try to get a, become an instructor? Yes, a certified instructor and sub for her. Yes, <laughs> so I said okay, no problem. So yeah, so I went and did it. When we first met, you were saying I was asking, well, tell me about yourself,、yes. and you were saying that、uh, you're into women empowerment. Yes. What do you mean by that? A woman empowerment is women supporting women by speaking up their mind, and then supporting them to do what they really want to do,、mm-hmm. or help them to figure out what they want to do. What brought you to this mentality? 
、okay. And you were telling me、yeah. that woman empowerment does not equal to feminism. I think some people now they try to turn feminists to、uh, woman empowerment now. So a lot of people they have a very stereotype, like a female overpower to male, which is not true because biologically we build different. So by speaking up your mind, it is not about negative about male. It's about how you can become a better self.、Um, a lot of people, like a lot of my students these days, the the reason why I really wanna、uh, get into like woman empowerment is because my students. I do have a lot of students. They came to my class because they wanna lose weight. They wanna have a better body figures、mm-hmm. so they can please men or they can get a boyfriend. And、um, they start stop coming to my class when they get into a relationship. You know, like when that relationship ends. They they came back. Really,、um, how much more do you want others to control your life? I'm not saying like everything. It's you know matters to others. You know like each others. But you need to stand your ground firmly. But do you know what you want? So by that, I don't think any man can really understand what a woman needs. Uh huh. So woman knows what woman needs. This is interesting, because you were saying earlier on you're you're actually an introverted person. Yes. But then on the other hand, you're a very sensitive, observant person. Yes. Because you were saying that you know when you were at your engineering job, you're always quick at figuring out where the flaws are. Yes. That other people don't notice.、Mm-hmm. You know, and here, I think you would not have known that these students of yours,、yeah. who I'm sure have become your friends. Yes. Um, that you. Realize what their problems are,、mm-hmm. and you tell it gently that you know what the problem is, and that you don't want them to continue to hurt themselves that way. Yes,、right? yes. So spot、yeah. the problems, and then you can figure out how to solve the problems.、Mm. Yes. So, what advice do you give to these people that these students that you have, who you know are going through these, you know? Um, um, problems of、um, finding, yeah, finding, yeah, finding what they want and finding a relationship that they want and、mm-hmm. and not finding it and then you know hating their own body and things like that, right? Yeah. Well, I don't really suggest them. I don't want to be, you know, like you know, advisor. Right. Too pushy. Yes.、Yeah. yes. I was just saying, like, hey, um, you you seems a little bit like you know down or whatever today. Are you okay? Because.、Oh. People don't always want to share, and、yeah. a lot of women, if they work in like as like a lawyer, or they they work in a in a very competitive industry, they have this strong ego, and then also they have this strong mind that they don't want people to see their weakness.、Mm. So I will wait until they are willing to share,、mm. um, give them time and space. Some people they they tend to share more. Some people they will wait for maybe like three months, six months before they will open up to you. Right before they feel they trust you. Yes,、yeah. yes, and trust need to be built.、Mm. It's more of like I would always let them know. Physically, I will always be there when they were on the hammocks. I'm always there to protect them. I let them feel like I'm here. So if you don't feel safe, if you feel insecure, it's okay to come down. Uh-huh. It's okay to let me know how you feel,、uh, because I'm not in your life. I don't think I I can give give you like a better advice, but at least I think you have someone that you can like 
talk to mm-hmm. and that someone listen to what mm. you're trying to to say. So I think listening is something that's very important these days. People tend to speak up their minds a lot. Mm, definitely. Wow. That's amazing. You, you know, I'm sure <laughs> they appreciate you as their instructor because you don't just teach. You really care about them. I know? do. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> wow. How many students do you have in a class at a time? Uh, it depends on different studios. Okay. Um, can go from... Oh, wait, wait. You're not just only teaching one particular studio? No. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. Okay. I, I teach in three studios. Uh-huh. Yeah, so one and can go from seven to 17. Other than your yoga classes, what do you do with the rest of your time? I like photography. <laughs> oh, I, I hope you don't mind me telling my listeners. Yeah. But um, you actually were a singer at one time. Yeah. Not like, you know, totally professionally, but... You were assigned to a record company. Yes. Actually, two. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they don't know what to do about me, so. <laughs> but now you're telling me that you're into photography. But there's also something interesting about Shannon is that she said that she has sort of like the mindset of more like a male because yeah. you can only focus on one thing at a time. Yes. And maybe that's why you surprised me because you focused on one thing. And then, and then I thought, okay, so that's done. Oh, now you're in on yoga. Okay, great. So then, you know, so are you going to be doing yoga for the rest of your life? No, you're now into photography. Yes. Yeah, okay. I like to go to like exhibitions. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, okay. You're a photographer to the point where you're really studying and you're serious about turning this into maybe a second job or something? Uh, well, I like to take photos for my students. You know, oh. like how their body, you know, progress. Uh-huh. Yes. And then I try to make sure, like, I capture the best moment. Like, all the moments matter. So, like, the best shot for themselves. Right. Yeah. So, they will feel, like, how they feel beautiful It's important. How other people telling them they are beautiful. Uh. It's very encouraging. Oh, wow. That is so nice. Because you were saying that the you know, area of yoga, there's no mirrors. Your taking picture is like the mirror. Yes. Wow. That is awesome. I normally uh, do the video recording. Oh, video. Yeah, of because we normally do like a sequence, a short sequence. So during that video, I can tell them, okay, maybe you didn't straighten your legs. That's why your other legs can't go to the place where it should be. Right. So they can spot their problems and they can work on the muscle groups that needs to be worked on. You're listening to In the Spotlight with Shirley Lin. Do you do photography in, in other areas? Uh, other food. than your Food? <laughs> yeah, food. You, how? Like <laughs> when you go to a restaurant, you take pictures of the food you, you're about to eat? Yeah. <laughs> That's like, a lot of times people do that. <laughs> yes, yes. But I don't uh, normally take a lot of times. I normally, I would just pick the seats that's probably near close to the window that has the natural lights. Yes. If the lighting is not like perfect, yeah. I'll just eat the food. Yeah. I don't really <laughs> take photos and then just try to adjust everything. Uh, yeah, uh, I think like spending time with um, like people that, you know, you're having food with is also very important. Yeah. Okay. yeah. <laughs> so you've made a lot of friends since coming back to Taiwan then? Yes. Uh, well, I mean, besides the yoga students, I mean, you've also a lot of friends, maybe friends who have the same interest as you as in photography. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yes. What, what's your diet like now that you're talking about food? 
You, you do watch uh, your diet, I suppose. Um, I'm not a vegan for sure. <laughs> okay. Um, well, I think living in Australia does help me to have a clean diet. Yeah, what do you mean by that? Like, we don't eat a lot of processed food. Mmm. I keep telling my husband about that. It's so hard for him. So hard. Yeah, because for him. they like they are really tasty. Yes. And then they are everywhere in Taiwan. Like bacon. Yes. That's a processed food, right? Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't quite sure in the beginning, but I wanted to convince my husband. If the 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 food you need to you know like it doesn't look like what it should look like. Yeah. Then yes. <laughs> I know. Right. Like ham. You、yeah. know. And oh, I don't know, but it's really really hard. Yeah, I'm. I'm trying to be healthy too. You know, going vegetarian. <laughs>、yeah. I think if they want to try to have a better diet habit, uh, don't do it all at once. You know, like you probably do it like one day per、mm, week. One day per week. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you can start there, and then because you need time to find the restaurant or the the recipe that you like. Right. Yeah. So if you go all like every day or two or three days per week. Um, you probably won't be able to find the food that you like, and you sort of like, okay, I just give up on it. Yes. Ah,、uh, that is true. Well, so do you usually eat out, or you cook yourself? You make your own food、uh, in Taiwan because my job, like, I'm quite busy during the dinner time. I I don't really get a dinner time. Oh, okay. Yeah, because people when they off work, they want to、yeah. exercise. Yeah. So I have to eat out. What's your next step in your life? Maybe. How do you see yourself in five years? Okay, I think、um, in five years I want to be an influencer to produce good quality yoga instructors. Oh, okay, right. You're training yoga instructors right now. Yes. Yeah. Uh huh. Like I want to train people that, like, with correct、uh, knowledge, they know what they are doing before they actually, you know, start doing it. Right. Right. Yes. Do you really think that yoga is really the sport above all else? You think? Uh, no. Uh, that's another thing. <laughs> yoga. If you look, really look into yoga, yoga is a philosophy. Okay. Okay. And um, yoga. It's something that、uh, some people they do yoga and they get into meditation, which is your brain can. Can rest, right, right. Or some people they start meditation, they feel their body is aching, and then so they will start doing yoga.、Uh-huh. Okay, so it's one way or another.、Mm. But、um, just put this: it's like your brain need to rest every day,、mm. so that's why meditation is very important. Okay, but your body need to move as much as it should be. Okay, so different type of activity is good. Go up to the mountains, go under the sea,、um, do like rock climbing or running. Anything is good. Okay. And there is no good or bad exercise. It's how you, how your body coping.、Mm. Okay. So,、um, so these days people sitting like in front of their desk. Yeah. They have a lot of junk or、um, like more more than enough informations for their brains. Yeah. So their brains doesn't get rest, get to rest.、Right. So that's why people can't sleep at night. Uh huh. Yeah. They have a very poor sleep qualities. Was that how you were when you were an engineer? <laughs> no, I don't really have a sleep problem. <laughs> But、okay. a lot of my student has. So uh, yeah.、Uh, that's why, like, I'm helping them、mm. to have a better. So sometimes they will sleep in my class, so they can their brain can rest. Oh, okay. Yes. You mean like they fall asleep on the hammock? 
Yes, yes. Really? Or even on the floor, that I try to make sure all their muscles relax、uh, and they don't overthink.、Uh, they are they they are like their resting is not because they are tired. They didn't sleep last night. They're tired. It's I try to build a habit so they when they go home follow that process、uh, and then they can sleep better. It's been a lot of fun talking to you, Shannon. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs>、uh, very interesting. You've got a lot of a lot of good philosophy behind behind. Everything you do, you yes, know? yes. So, good luck. Thank you. <laughs> And I'm glad you're, you know, you're, you're here in Taiwan. You stayed on. Yes. There's every good reason why people stay on in Taiwan. Yes. You know, so、yeah. including yours. Thank you、All、so、right. much, Shelly. Nice、right. to meeting you. <laughs> yes. Thank you, Shannon. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Radio Taiwan International, broadcasting from Taipei, Taiwan. Check out our website at english.rti.org.tw. Again, that's english.rti.org.tw for the latest news and features from Taiwan. You can also listen to our programs and watch videos as well. Our 60-minute English language program can also be heard every day at the following times and frequencies. In southern China and South Asia, from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 9405 kilohertz. Again, that's in southern China and South Asia, from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 9405 kilohertz. And in Southeast Asia, from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kilohertz. Again, that's in Southeast Asia from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kilohertz. We'd love to hear from you. Please send your comments to PO Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Again, that's PO Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Or send an email to rti at rti.org.tw. Again, that's rti at rti.org.tw. Also visit us on Facebook. The address is fb.me/radiotaiwanintl. Once again, on Facebook, we're located at fb.me/radiotaiwanintl for videos, photos, and news of interest from Taiwan. Thank you once again for listening to Radio Taiwan International. Thank you.